Today's scripture reading is taken from Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, New Hope. Thank you for reading God's word to us, Becca. I'm going to invite you to pray with me as we give ourselves to God's holy word. Our Father, how blessed it is to be able to call you Father. We praise you. We love you. We desire to hear from you. So would you please speak to us this afternoon? And we ask that you would give us ears and hearts that are ready to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. New Hope, our culture encourages us to hide our sins, to pose as righteous, and to condemn others. Whether it's in the public square or it's online, people are ready to attack and ruin anyone whose hurtful words or deeds come to light. Some have called this phenomenon cancel culture. It's it's a culture that encourages the shaming of offenders and, if possible, the ruining of offenders. If more traditional societies had stoning and shunning, we have canceling. And it really does come natural to us, doesn't it? That, that instinct to see people punished mercilessly for their sins. In fact, it feels good to say, what a horrible person. Technology has made it easier to uncover other people's sins, and, and frankly, I am thankful to God for that because iPhones and body cameras and YouTube have all helped to reveal injustices, haven't they? In some cases, they've helped clear the innocent and hold the guilty accountable. Abusers who were called to protect or lying witnesses, or unfit leaders. They, they've been caught and sometimes prosecuted. But technology cuts both ways. Because of social media, many of our words and our actions are now stored somewhere on the cloud. They're, they're searchable. They're waiting to be uncovered. A few days ago, I told my daughter that if she intends to ever hold public office or be famous one day, she should stay off of social media. And she stared at me blankly because she's four years old and had no idea what I was talking about. But I wonder, what must it feel like to be a celebrity in 2020 and know that, that there are some old, regrettable videos out there just waiting to go viral? and ruin your career. Or maybe there, there are people out there who know some of the horrible things you've done, and when the time is right, they might break their silence and tell their story, your story, 
Imagine living with that constant threat that any day it could be uncovered and you will face the wrath of the public. According to Psalm 32, you don't have to be a public figure to feel that way. Frankly, some of us who are followers of Jesus Christ live with that unsettled feeling of, and, and that fear that comes with a guilty conscience. After all, all of us have a history of awful things said and done, don't we? Maybe there aren't any incriminating videos or online comments floating around out there. Maybe there are. But either way, we know and God knows our past, distant and recent. And didn't Jesus say that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak? So many of us live with that threat of impending judgment. But Psalm 32 starts this way. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Sit with that for just a moment. As unsettling as it is to know that you are guilty and one day it'll all come out into the open, it is equally settling to know that you've been cleared of guilt and your transgressions have been covered not rolled over with a thin layer of paint, the way a, a landlord paints an old dirty wall to pass it off as clean. Not that kind of cover, but dropped in a grave six feet deep and covered with dirt, buried, that kind of cover. The psalmist says that if you, if that is you, then you are blessed because you were condemned but you are now forgiven. You see, the blessedness that Psalm 32 is talking about is the blessedness of the acquitted. You might call that blessedness happiness or relief. It, it's freedom. It's the relief of receiving mercy. It's the happiness of experiencing grace. Because even when you were dead in your trespasses, God made you alive. By grace, you have been saved. What a relief. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, do you always feel that way? Blessed? Because your sins have been forgiven? You know, the Bible talks about the wages of sin in Romans 6, 23, but it also talks about the weight of sin. Another Psalm, 38, puts it this way. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Sin has a weight. Our Psalm today, 32, in verses three and four, it says something similar. It says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long, for day and night, look, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. You, you see the weight there. One Psalm says, my sins are weighing down on me. The other says, it's your hand, God, that's weighing heavy on me. 
For the follower of Christ, it can feel like both. There's that burden of guilt, and there's that feeling that God himself will not allow you to experience peace, to experience relief. This author is writing from experience. He knows what it feels like to carry regret and shame. He knows what it feels like to feel pinned down with the fear that, that others will find out and that God himself will punish. You see, it's the opposite of that blessed feeling of verse 1. Guilt crushes happiness. Guilt crushes hope. It's so heavy, it crushes worship. It's that heavy. And the enemy, Satan, he knows this. And that's why he's quick to remind you of your past failures. To tell you that your sins have disqualified you. You're not worthy to be called a follower of Jesus. You're a phony. You're a hypocrite. That's who you are. And one day you will be uncovered. That's the weight of guilt. So many of us carry it. But Psalm 32 says you don't have to. Jesus can do it for you. In fact, if you haven't trusted yourself to him, he has done it for you. And as I heard Pastor Anthony Carter say recently, you need to stop carrying what Jesus has already taken from you. He is strong enough to carry the weight of your sin, and he did. He took the guilt and he was judged for every careless word for every deed and thought that you hope that no one will ever find out about. He carried all that on his shoulders as he hung on the cross, arms outstretched, holding the full weight of that burden. The hand of God pressed down on him in judgment and killed him. But that weight of sin could not keep him down. I love this image. Not only did Jesus stand back up under that weight, but he stood up and he hurled that weight into oblivion. Because Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That far. Four years ago, a very big man named Eddie Hall set a world record when he deadlifted 1,102 pounds. That's over half a ton this big British man picked up and put down. And just a month ago, that record was broken. It was broken by Hafthor Bjornsson, an even bigger man who's known for playing the role of Mountain on Game of Thrones. A show which, incidentally, I wish every Christian, out of love for God and love for women, would refuse to watch and support. Bjornsson stood in front of 1,104 pounds, and he strapped his hands to that bar, and he stood up straight with it. He broke the record, and he put it back down. And the crowd roared and, and applauded. But what if, what if right after he did that, what if Eddie Hall were to walk into that room and stand in front of that same bar stacked with 1,104 pounds 
And what if he were to strap in, trembling and sweating? And what if he were to stand up with that weight? But instead of putting it down, what if he swung it and cried out and hurled it through the wall, never to be found again? Forget Bjornsson, that, that is some Thor-type powerlifting. Christian, my beloved brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ trembled and he bled and he cried out under the weight of your sin, but he didn't put it back down. He hurled it as far as the east is from the west. So far did he remove your transgression from you. And he did not do all that so that you and I could live weighed down by guilt. He did it so that we could experience the freedom of relief, of forgiveness. When my wife and I had been married just a few months, we traveled to the place where she was born, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And there's one particular day of that trip that is recorded in my mind in HD or 4K or whatever the, the best one is. We, we took a, a little boat out to an island off the coast of Santo Domingo called Sauna. And I had never been anywhere like that before. I had never seen sand so white and water so clear. We walked out into the ocean. I don't know how far, 25, 50 yards, I have no idea. We walked pretty far out to the ocean and, and the water was still, it was, it was just up to our shoulders. But as we looked down, we could still see our feet clearly in the white sand below. And as she and I floated out there, I thought, I have never felt this free. I have never felt this okay in my life. In fact, I try to recall that feeling from time to time to make sure that it stays there and I don't forget it. Last Sunday, Alex compared abiding in Christ's love to relaxing in a hot tub. Do you remember that? I, I love that imagery. But listen, brothers and sisters, beloved children of God, Psalm 32 is inviting you to lay back in the crystal clear ocean of God's love. To feel the, the cool water of his mercy and the warm rays of his grace on your skin. Brothers and sisters, God is not angry at you, nor is he ashamed of you. His love is vast. It's an ocean. And you have been welcome to, to swim and, and rest and splash in that love now and when you experience it you don't want to leave just like i didn't want to leave that island so so how do we get there how do we experience that because let's be honest it's not where we're always living are we some of us feel like the weight of our sin is actually sinking us we're not floating in the ocean of god's love we feel like we're weighed down to the bottom what kind of guilt is weighing on you. I wonder what kinds of failures, maybe some of you who are fathers, maybe a day like today when you're honored and your 
you're congratulated and you're hugged, maybe those failures start to play back in your mind. Your failures as a dad to the children you love. Maybe it's your failures as a spouse that are weighing you down. It's your failures as a human being. You feel like the Lord has given you so many opportunities and you have failed. Some of you maybe feel like th this pandemic has tested your faith and you haven't done so well. Some of you who found yourselves homeschooling over the past few months, maybe homeschooling brought out some of that impatience and that selfishness and that anger that you so hate about yourself. That's weighing you down. Some of you, maybe this pandemic has given you a good three months to grow in your knowledge of God's word to slow down and abide in him. But you haven't done that. You've squandered it. And you don't know when you're gonna get another three months like that again. But now the reality of your sin weighs heavy on you. The author of this Psalm knows that feeling, but he also knows how to get back to the clear, cool water. In verse five, he says, he tells us, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's how we get back to knowing the reality of verse 1. You see, the way back to knowing, experiencing in a felt way that clear, cool water of God's mercy and the warm, soothing rays of his grace. The way back is so simple, but it's very unnatural. It feels, it's countercultural too, because our culture tells us, hide your sin and pose like you are good, like your life is fine, you are a success, do it on social media, do it in your conversations, do it in your small group, even in, even in your closest relationships, do that. In fact, do it when you're alone and you, you start to feel guilt and, and shame. Ignore it, pretend it's not there, deny it. This is what our culture and our hearts so often tell us, pretend it. So often we hear this, we're being told, ignore, pretend, deny, ignore, pretend, deny. But the psalmist says, I tried that. I lied to myself that everything was okay, and all I felt was burdened and exhausted. Verse 4, Psalm 32, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. It's exhausting to pretend you're fine, isn't it? It's exhausting to carry the weight of guilt and, and try to pretend like you're not carrying it. Lying to yourself. There's no relief in that. There is no rest in it. But the psalmist says in verse 5, I finally did these three simple things and it changed everything. I acknowledged my sin. I did not cover my iniquity. I confessed my transgression. In other words, you know what he did? Stop ignoring, stop pretending, stop denying. Stop ignoring, stop pretending, stop denying. 
And where did that get him? To the clear, cool water and the warm, gentle sun. He's telling us, look straight at your sin for what it is. It's uglier than you will admit. Look at it. It's hurtful. It's damnable. Don't hide it. Don't rationalize it. And then verbally admit it to God. If you have never done that, he is inviting you. The God himself is inviting you to give the weight of your sin to the one who can take it. Who is willing to take it to the cross and stand up under it and hurl it into oblivion. Let's go back to the cross where Jesus, not only did he carry the weight of sin, but he faced the scorching desert heat of judgment. He did not do all that so we could keep ignoring and pretending and denying. Jesus did not do all that so that we could continue ignoring, pretending, and denying. Two takeaways, and I'm hoping we can all walk away from this passage with. Simple. First one, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians, enjoy God's grace. Enjoy God's grace. The reality of the cross means that it is now safe to face your sin and say, yes, I'm guilty. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans. 8.1 tells us that. So, enjoying God's grace means in part uncover your sin and confess it to God and to whoever else you need to. All of it. What do you got to confess? What do I have to confess? Maybe it's some pride and self-righteousness. Maybe it's anger or deceit or greed. All kinds of idolatry. Dare I say it? Even racism. You are free to pray. Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me, any wicked way in me, any offensive way in me. Because we need help to see those sins, don't we? We're not even sure what sins we're carrying around with us. We need God's help to even look and see and uncover. We've, we've conditioned ourselves to ignore and deny them and keep covering them up so well that sometimes we don't even see them anymore. You are now free to search and to be searched. And whatever is uncovered, you can openly confess because blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. The accuser, Satan, says you're a sinner? You can say, tell me something I don't know. 
Someone judges me for my failings? I can say, you don't know the half. I'm far worse than you think. The grace of God frees me to say that. Look, it's not that I take my sin lightly. I've offended God and I have hurt people. And if there are earthly consequences, I deserve them. If restitution needs to be made, I need to do that. If I'm canceled, so be it. But I know this, he canceled the record of debt that stood against me. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Colossians 2.14, so there is no condemnation. Enjoy God's grace. New Hope, difficult conversations are happening right now. And some of us are engaged in those conversations. They're happening even at a national level. Necessary conversations, sins, some even, not just personal sins, but national sins that, that are centuries old and have, been, have never been fully addressed. They still affect millions of our brothers and sisters. Especially our black brothers and sisters. Finally, some of those age-old sins are being acknowledged. Good. Praise the Lord. But are we ready, as God's people, not to ignore and pretend and deny, but instead to say, search me, Lord, and know my thoughts. I'm a mystery to myself sometimes. Search me and know my thoughts and show me if there's any hurtful way in here. Any partiality. Any sense of superiority. Any complicity. Or just indifference. Lack of love and a care for those who have experienced the brunt of sinful injustice. And if there is anything there that you find, Lord, are we ready to acknowledge and confess it before God and our brothers and sisters? That is not easy, but it is the way that we get back to enjoying that ocean with the crystal clear water of God's grace and the, the warm rays of his mercy. Enjoy God's grace. Enjoy God's grace. And secondly and lastly, Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, give God's grace. Give God's grace. Our God is so unlike us. He does not hold sin over our head to shame or manipulate or crush. He doesn't cancel, but we are good at doing all of those things, aren't we? The, the word, one word that I hear a lot lately is the word weaponize. And, and this resonates with me. I know how to weaponize someone's sin. Perhaps we all know how to weaponize someone's sin. That is, someone gets caught or they confess openly and we can use that confession or that charge to now hurt that person mercilessly, even ruin them. And it's almost like there's a, a certain happiness in it, a satisfaction, almost as if we could say, blessed is the man who gets to crush someone else with their sin. 
How unlike our God who says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from their way and live. God wants repentance. We want penance. God wants to see people turn and live. We want to see them shamed. It's sadly ironic that, that sinners would be so hard on sinners when our sinless God forgives so freely. Beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know the happiness of knowing God's grace, you don't need the twisted satisfaction of hurting people who've sinned against you or have done hurtful things to you or others. How much better to welcome them in to experience the cool water of God's mercy and the gentle sun of his grace. If you have experienced the blessedness of the tax collector in Luke 18, who confessed his sins and went home justified, then you don't need the twisted, warped blessedness of that Pharisee compares himself to a tax collector and scorns and looks at him in contempt with contempt. How much better to welcome sinners in to experience the cool water and the gentle sun of God's mercy and grace. The ocean is big enough. That doesn't mean that you or that we as a society need to ignore the evil that people have done or sweep it under the rug? No, no, no. There are earthly consequences for evil. We all know this. There is such a thing as temporal, earthly, right here and now, justice. And temporal justice, one, it's true justice, is good. And it honors God. There is the need for restitution here and now when we sin against others, hurt them, take from them. We need to return, repair, make things right. There's no doubt, and I'm not saying that any of those things are unimportant, but, but if we know the blessedness of having our sins covered and our transgressions forgiven, we, not, we won't look to cancel and crush those who have crossed the line. We will hope for repentance. We will welcome confession because we will see people as desperately needing the mercy that we got and never deserved and still don't. The desire to drag people for their sins, it reveals pride. It reveals a, a lack of appreciation for God's grace. It, it reveals an unwillingness to acknowledge your own sinfulness. That, that impulse to drag people and crush them and shame them for their sins, it reveals an impoverished experience of God's grace. Because when we truly begin to enjoy God's grace, we will feel free to give it out. Eagerly, liberally, 
hoping for repentance, hoping for confession, eager to welcome sinners in to experience the mercy, grace of God. So stop carrying the weight of guilt that Jesus already took from you. And stop wanting others to carry theirs. And the reason we can do that is because blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are the ones who have heard these freeing words. Have you ever heard these words? Isaiah 43, verse 25. God says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Praise be to God. Please pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bearing the weight, for standing up under the scorching heat of judgment for us. Lord, increase our willingness, our capacity to enjoy and appreciate what you have done for us. To the degree that we need to confess our sins openly before you and others, help us do that. To the degree that we need to extend grace, forgiveness to others, help us do that. We can't do any of it on our own, Lord. Lord, you've already borne the sins of your people. You've already paid the price for our sins. You took our sins and you've thrown them further away from us than the east is from the west. But we want to ask you for more. We ask you that by your spirit, you would make us a people that are shaped in every way by the reality of what you've done. Help us to walk in freedom, enjoying your grace and giving it out. It's in your name we ask. Amen.